traveling with confidence. Now, I have to tell you something. I am the type of person, uh, when I'm getting ready to go on a trip, I am not like my father-in-law. My father-in-law, who uh, was a pastor for years, if he was going to be coming up to our house on uh, Christmas time, about, about Thanksgiving time, he would start getting his maps all lined up. He would start setting his socks and his underclothes aside and getting his, his shaving kit all fixed up. He would be all ready, and, and Jeffrey has inherited some of that. Whenever we want to go someplace and Jeff knows he's going to go someplace, two or three days ahead of time, he wants to have it. Everything lined up and all ready to go. Me... I get up that morning and say, what time are we going to leave? They'll say, in 30 minutes. I say, okay, and I go and try, where's my suitcase? And that's the way I am. But once I get in the car, I don't like surprises when I'm out on the road. I like to travel with confidence. So Beverly and I have, have been members of the uh, AAA. And before we ever go, we'll go down and get a trip tick, and uh, we can go through that trip tick, and that becomes Beverly's constant reading when we're on the road. I'll say, what comes next? Where's next? What do I look for now? And, so she's constantly watching that because I like to travel with confidence. I've been in areas where I didn't know where I was going and to try to watch street signs and everybody else. And after a while, I just don't enjoy that. And as I thought about that, how I feel toward it, I'm sure that if you get into a strange area, it's no fun for you to try to guess and hope that you're going in the right direction. But, uh, you know, the scriptures say that for believers that every one of us have a race to run that God has a plan for our life, that there is a certain road upon which we should be traveling and we can know what road is right for us as believers. And if we'll seek for wisdom and understanding from the Lord, He'll give it to us. And the only thing we have to understand is in spite of the fact we can join AAA, that sometimes they're not even correct in their directions. When we were going to North Carolina one time, we asked them for the straightest, most direct, fastest way to get there. They directed us through an area of Charlotte off to the west side and go up the north, uh, go up the west side of Charlotte out north to the camp. And it was the lousiest route I'd ever been on in my life. I mean, a, a low-class neighborhood with these filthy um, show places and bars. And, and then it was slow traffic all the way up one little town after another and it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. When I got back next time, I said, I don't know whoever fed you that line, but I said, erase that line. That's terrible. Uh, I said, we found a faster route. We told us that the guy wrote down a faster route. And so mistakes can be made once in a while, but they're fairly good most of the time. They're up to date most of the time. And, and when I, I thought about that, I, I realized that sometimes when God is leading and God is directing us, whether we like it or not, we're going to come to unexpected detours and dead ends. Now, some people may say, Brother Webb, when God's leading, you don't come into dead ends. When God is leading us, sometimes we'll come into dead ends, but we have to recognize that because He's leading us, if we come to a dead end or we come to a detour, there is a purpose in that dead end and there's a plan in that detour. You see, if everything went rosy all the time and Christians never encountered difficulty, everybody would want to become Christians and it wouldn't be because of faith, it'd be because everything was rosy. And there are detours and there are dead ends we're going to run into. And when God has declared His will and we know we're walking in His will and He's already declared to us what His will is, don't worry about the detours and don't worry about the dead ends. You will get to where God wants you to get if He's already said that's where you're going. I give you an example in the Garden of Eden. God said to Adam and Eve that there was going to be a seed that would come. How many of you know there were a lot of detours and dead ends before that seed came? 
In fact, one time it came right down to where there was one family left and God destroyed all the rest of the earth and said, I've got to start all over again. When He got the children of Israel out in the wilderness, He said, get out of the way, Moses, I'm going to destroy them and start all over again. The reason being, time and time again, He had to purify that bloodline because He said there was going to be a seed, an individual single seed, and there had to be a pure bloodline all the way from the Garden of Eden down to the birth of Jesus Christ. Many detours and many dead ends there. God said to Joseph, Joseph, I'm going to give you a vision now, and this is what's going to happen. And Joseph came running out, and not with too much wisdom, said to his brothers, do you know what I just dreamed? What? He said, I just saw the moon and the sun and the stars all bowing down to me. I just saw them. And they said, wait a minute, you try and tell us that we and our mother and father are going to bow down to you? He said, that's what God showed me in a dream. You know, there were some detours and dead ends before he got there. Number one was in the bottom of a pit. Now, I wonder while he's down there, he was thinking to himself, uh, Lord, are they going to bow down to me down here in this slimy pit? He came out of it, was sold as a slave, and before long ended up in prison for a charge that was falsely made against him. And while he was down there in prison, he prophesied over two men and declared to them what was going to happen to them. One was going to be killed, have his head cut off, the other one was going to be raised back up to his position again. And he said, now when you get out, you remember me. And the guy went back to tasting the wine for the king again, Pharaoh again, and forgot all about him until two years later, God caused circumstances to be such that the wine tester remembered Joseph in prison. Now for two years, Joseph could have said, God, I don't understand this. You told me I was going to rule and reign, and here I am kicking rats over in the corner and squashing cockroaches all day long, just trying to exist down here in this... Hey, you think I'm exaggerating? That's what they were like back in those days. Rotten, dirty places to have to stay. And he was there for in the dungeon for two years. After he had tried to... Even while he was in prison, he was obedient to God. He was even cast into prison for being obedient to God. Some of you think that you're always supposed to be rewarded outwardly immediately because you're going to be obedient to God. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you can get punished for being obedient to God. But that doesn't make any difference. God had to take him through detours and dead ends and difficulties and problems and everything to bring him to the place where he could fulfill his prophecy for him. God promised Israel he's going to come out of Egypt and go into the land. How many of you know they didn't go directly to the land? How many of you know only two of them made it? Out of the whole nation, two of them made it. Out of that whole generation. See, God has a plan, and if we'll be obedient to Him, how many of you know God wanted Moses to go into the promised land too? He wanted him to. But God desires obedience on the part of His children. Now let me tell you something, when God said to the children of Israel, you're going into the promised land, nothing could stop them from going into the promised land. If this generation didn't do it, the next one would. And if that one didn't, the next one would, because God said you're going in. And when they went out of Egypt, they went out in victory. I mean, they had all these treasures and riches given to them. They went out and God led them right up to a dead end. Now that's one of those cases we talk about, the trying of your faith. What did the Jews say? Oh, I would to God we could go back and die in Egypt. At least uh, we, aren't going to, we wouldn't have been killed by the Egyptians like we're going to be now. And Moses declared, stand still and see the salvation of God. You know, that, that sea couldn't stay where it was. It had to move out of the way. Because God said, you're going into the promised land, and that sea was between them and the promised land, and God will move heaven and earth to fulfill His word for His children if they'll believe in Him. 
If you want to travel with confidence, know what God's purpose and God's plan is for your life, and God will show you. Hezekiah, in an impossible situation, was a good king trying to serve the Lord obediently, and he uh, rebelled against the king of Assyria and said he wasn't going to pay him tribute anymore, so Nebuchadnezzar sent his army down there, and they surrounded the city, and there was nothing left in the city. They were ready for total defeat. The captain of the army of the Assyrians came and, and screamed to the people on the walls beside the leaders outside the city wall, said, if you'll surrender to us, we'll be good to you and we'll take you into another land just like your own. Otherwise, we're going to annihilate every one of you. So now just give in. And then he began to berate the God of Israel. And Hezekiah was wise enough to call on the prophet and say, what am I going to do? And God's prophet said to him, he shall not enter this city. Now, if you imagine, here is a defenseless, all ahead was walls around it, and hardly any army left as far as Hezekiah was concerned. And here were hundreds of thousands of soldiers all around the city. They said, we're going to put dirt up against your wall. We're going to come right up over your wall. We're going to come in and destroy every one of you. But God said, he shall not enter the city. Assyria could have brought all the army that they ever had and tried to come into that city, but God spoke and said they shall not enter the city. You know, there's no possible physical earthly way they could have ever even started to get into that city because God said they couldn't. Now, the reason I'm saying this to you is because you and I have to listen to God and see what God has to say to us and what God's purpose for our life is, and then not worry about what Assyria, the king of Assyria, or the generals of Assyria have to say to us. Not look at the circumstances, how absolutely hopeless they look. We have to say it doesn't make any difference what I see. All I want to know is what does God say about this? If we're going to travel with confidence, there is no confidence for the believer outside of the will of God. If I try to believe that God's going to do something He has not told me He'll do in His Word, then I might as well forget it. But once I have His Word, once I have His Word, I can stand on His Word. The Word of God tells me that once he said that, next morning when the children of Israel awakened, Hezekiah went up and looked out on the field, there were 185,000 dead Assyrian soldiers killed by one angel. And the king of Assyria and his army went back home and the king was slaughtered and killed there in his own temple. Now, why? Because God just spoke it and it's so. He shall not enter the city. We can go over to Matthew, the 14th chapter. And that keeps encouraging me all the time. I, I keep getting a blessing out of that chapter, and I've mentioned it before, but it's worth repeating again. Matthew 14, 22. Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him out into the middle of the sea while he sent the multitudes away. Let me read it again. Oh, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the what? Unto the other side. Get in the ship and go to the other side. Jesus said that. Now look down here in verse 24. 
Well, I'm going to read verse 23. And when he sent the, had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now, why would Jesus say, be not afraid? Some people would say, well, because he was there now. Well, I would like to say with a songwriter, he was there all the time. He knew exactly where the disciples were. And if the disciples only believed what Jesus said, they would know, would have known it was absolutely that boat could not have sunk even if a comet had hit it. If it had hit a landmine, it could not have sunk because the Son of God says, get in the boat and go to the other side. He does not tell us to do something that's impossible for us to do. You see? Jesus is with us in the midst of the storm. And all we have to remember is, Lord, what did you say before we got into this storm? Where did you tell us to go? What did you tell us to do? Because, you see, God cannot lie. God is not a man that he should lie, the Scripture says. And let me tell you something. Whenever you and I doubt God's Word, we are calling God a liar. And the Word of God says, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Let every man be a liar. Every man may be a liar, but God is not a liar. What God says, you can put it in the bank. Now, I'm talking about traveling this road with confidence. If God said it in His Word, if God has given you a rhema, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. If God's given you a rhema, you can travel with confidence. Look at Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in professors. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in doctors. It's better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in medicines. It doesn't mean that we cannot use the services of these people, but our confidence is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. 1 John, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. We're to have confidence in Him. If we know we're asking according to His will, we can believe and know that we're going to have the petitions we ask. Is that what it says? Look at it again. What does it say? Let's go back. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, first of all, we have to know His will. And if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation to cast their trial taken us, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but will with that temptation make a way of coming out, make a way of getting out, making a way of escape, that we may be able to bear it. 
God says that every test and trial and temptation that comes to us, it's just like other men and women are going to have on earth, but God is faithful. He refuses to allow us to be tempted, tested, or tried above that we were able, but will with that temptation, test, or trial make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Look over now in 1 Peter. Go back to 1 Peter, I should say. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, verses 6 through 9. How must we believe and walk through our test, trial, and temptation? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, Joseph could have gotten down there in prison and said, I rebuke this prison, I rebuke those prison doors, I rebuke this, I rebuke that, and the other thing. He humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. He refused to do evil. He refused to, re to sin. He resisted all forms of evil, but he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God that God could exalt him in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And by the way, he's going to be right there during your trial, test, and temptation to see if there's any time during that that he's going to be able to devour you. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? And Jeff is just preaching, a good, just preached a good series on that. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Humble yourselves and cast all your care upon him. Now, I said all that to say this. God said to us, as I, and I told you, I like to travel down a road with confidence. I know where I'm going. In reading the rhemas that have come to us, first of all, we're reading the word of God, that uh, cancer and tumors are part of the curse. And Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us that the blessings of Abraham might be on us. God has said in our prophecies that our family is going to have, this church is going to be a family church that's going to have a family ministry. It said that Beverly and I in the days ahead are going to work like an old, a pair of a team of horses that have worked together for years, one not being jealous of the other, but both pulling together, ministering together, flowing together. Now you see, it's just like God said, go to the other side. Just like God says, you're going to go into the land. So you see, I have to look at what God's already said, and if God said it and I believe it, and I declare it to the Lord, and I remind the Lord of the Lord, that's what I'm standing on. You said it, and let every man be a liar, but let God be true. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And I want you to know my faith is not founded upon emotions. My faith is founded upon what God has already declared. And I don't know whether it means we're going to have to go through a prison time. I don't know any, I don't know anything about what's going to happen in the days ahead except that I am humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm resisting the devil. I believe he's going to flee and I believe we're going to see the victory in all the ministry that God's given to us in the days ahead. So uh, the sea has to open. The prison door has to open. The land is ours. The enemy's going to be destroyed and the storm's going to get quiet. Because Jesus is going to let us go to the other side. So I just encourage you if you want to know how to travel safely, find out what God's already said for you, said to you. And Father, I thank you and praise you for this confidence that, that you give us based upon your word and a knowledge of your nature that you cannot lie. And you've given us this word and we stand on it. We thank you for it ahead of time. We expect miracles in this whole body. We expect a congregation of over 2,000 people. We expect the property to come. We expect all the blessings that have been promised to us as a people to come. And we ask that you give wisdom and insight and understanding to us that we'll never walk out of your will, we'll never say something that is contrary to you, that we'll never waver, that we'll never differ in what we say from what you've said, but we'll say what you say. 
and then expect the answer to come. Now, Lord, I know there may be detours. I know there may be dead ends, but we're going to thank you for every one of them because they're going to cause us to be established stronger and to be proven and tested to where we'll come forth as gold to be used as vessels unto honor. And that's the desire of each one of our hearts, to be in that position where you can use us for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Amen.